It's Monday, July 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Monday. Howdy. Good weekend? Uh, yeah. Fireworks? Did it, you take yeah, there in were some fire? fireworks. Yeah, you know, so we. Um, I drove down to our little place on the river uh, on Thursday night, and so it's it's right there by the water. And, and so Saturday, we were, I think we were very lucky with the weather down there versus what I heard up here. Oh yeah, it sounded like the weather up here really sucked. Down there, it was it was sporadic, but for the most part, we were able to avoid any any real uh, long term rain showers. So we got out there that night, and uh, there were fireworks kind of going off all along the horizon over the water, and. You know, got the fire going, made some s'mores. The kids seemed to really enjoy it. I think my wife was relaxing. She's back for a little while, which was nice. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was good. How about you? Cloud cover in the greater DC area was significant. <laughs> I heard it was bad. And so, fireworks were the viewing was impaired. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. It was impaired. I so. heard. I heard that. I mean, people who were either here or over just across the street, the Masonic Temple, said either way, uh, you pretty much couldn't see what was yeah. going on. Yeah. Which sucks because normally you can, and it's amazing. It's it's fantastic. It's yeah. amazing every amazing once in a while. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Weight Watchers, which is skyrocketing today. We're going to talk about uh, some news from the world of mobile payment. But for the third week in a row, <laughs> we begin on Monday with Greece because yes, the voters have spoken. Sixty-one percent of voters in Greece voted no on whether to accept the bailout terms offered by the international creditors. Uh, and now the Prime Minister uh, Cyprus, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, is meeting so, with yeah. uh, leaders in Parliament to try and work out a deal by July 20th, when a payment of 3.9 billion is due to the European Central Bank. And right now. If you're a betting man, <laughs> that's not looking so good. Things have have and will continue to change, but but where are we now with this? I well, I mean, you said for the third week in a row, and I mean, honestly, like off and on, this has been going on for like the last five years almost, right? I mean, we've been talking about this, I think, ever since market foolery started, like yes. four years ago. <laughs> this has always been a topic of conversation on and off, and and it's, I mean, it's obviously a shame. It's it's. Uh, who knows what the ultimate resolution is? I was reading something in in the paper last week, and it was in regard to the banks closing and not letting people withdraw their money. I mean, limiting. I think it was sixty six dollars a day. <clears throat> and one of the you know one of the Greek citizens just was like, "Hey, how can you do this to us with no forewarning?" And I'm like, "Man, wait a minute now. <laughs> this is you've had about four years of forewarning here. I mean, this has been a problem for a long time. I think this is something that is unfortunately it's going to get worse before it gets better." Um, but I mean, this is going to be really bad for Greece, no matter what the resolution is. And and I mean, I think you have to look at the relationship first and foremost, and say, okay, who needs whom more? You know, does does the eurozone need Greece, or does Greece need the eurozone? And I don't even know that that's necessarily a cut and dry answer. Uh, I mean, I, I think it was interesting to read Paul Krugman wrote his his opinion on this vote. It was actually a big win for Europe in the sense that democracy prevailed, and I see that perspective. I mean, democracy did prevail in that you're giving the people the power, uh, and and the people have have voted accordingly. Um, but that doesn't necessarily solve the problem. So I mean, I, th- I think this all goes back to sort of the fundamental problem from the EU and the eurozone from the very beginning. I mean, I think the EU has its own issues, just as kind of a clash of cultures. But when you bring that into sort of the monetary policy in the eurozone, I think that becomes even more difficult because you do have, I think, a, a even an even bigger clash of cultures, you know, between 
countries like Germany and and France and Greece and whatnot. So I. <laughs> You know, I, I know that Greece obviously wants a more favorable deal. What that is, I'm not sure. I actually don't think it would necessarily be that bad of a thing for them to, you know, go ahead and split from the eurozone. Um, I mean, they're going to have to do something, and whether that's issuing a temporary currency or just going outright and issuing their own currency, the drachma again. I mean, at least that would give the op- you know, the option to just you know issue as much as they need and, and resolve their own issues on their own accord. It would obviously cause some short-term pain, but that's something they could ultimately uh, recover from. And I don't, the thing is, I don't know that this is something that, if they fix this problem today, you know, who's to say we don't see something, you know, come up down the road again? I think this is something. It's still a relatively young uh, concept, and I and I don't. I think this is maybe one of the first of many challenges it will face in the coming decades if they continue on. When I hear you talk about. Temporary currencies, the drachma. All I can think is, boy, if you're in the fraud business, or you are in the stopping fraud business, you have to be working overtime right now. Oh, that's going to be brutal. I mean, think about any black market for anything really, and that's ultimately what this would be. It'd be a black market for currency. I mean, it's not something that would be um, at least one government, the Greek government, may approve it, but it might not be something that other countries necessarily approve. And who's to say what kind of sway that currency might hold elsewhere? I mean, nobody really knows because this is not something that is, uh, you know, they they don't have a lot of precedence really to go on here. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's obviously there's no simple solution here, um, and and I don't know about you, but I just sort of find myself watching this from a distance, literally and figuratively, because I here in the U.S. I don't want to say fear mongering because that's not it, but there there are certainly some people who are in the business of writing headlines. Who are preparing for what's happening in Greece to have some cataclysmic event on the U.S. markets, right? And it's just, it's just not playing out that way. And I, you know, I don't want to jinx us or anything like that. But I, <laughs> but I, I just sort of look at it and go, well, wait a minute. Here are the players. Here's who owes money. Here's who has money owed to them. And for the most part, unless you're a U.S. investor who's holding Greek debt. Investing in Greek banks, uh, you're 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 fine. Yeah, and I I would echo that sentiment. I mean, I'm not one that invests in Greek debt. I don't really have any exposure to any of these European uh, banks that may own this Greek debt. I mean, that's that's where I think the the concerns are. I mean, you look at the countries. It's Germany, France, it's Spain, it's Italy. You know, these are the countries where uh, they they have the most to lose. And when you look at it as a percentage of GDP, really Germany's in the in the, the position of strength here because you know this could all completely implode. And Germany, they're just going to be they're going to be just fine. Um, I, I think the bigger question is we always talk about how the market doesn't like uncertainty, and and even though you look at something like Greece today, which is just kind of a blip on our radar, that that alone. Wouldn't be something that would obviously debilitate our markets, throw them into, tur- throw them into turmoil. But it's a chain of it's a chain of reaction. If this led to other events where you know countries in the eurozone then more or less found themselves in the same position down the road, and if this thing stretched out over years to where well next it's Spain, and then after that it's Italy, and then after that it's you know whoever else. That's where you know you could see I think bigger problems arise just because of the overall general exposure. So I mean I I think we're all hopeful that this is something that they can resolve. 
I don't. I don't think Germany's just going to come out and say, "All right, you know, hell with you. You, you turn this down. We're not going to work with you anymore. You're, you're expelled." I don't know that they're going to do that. I think that really it's in Germany's best interest to try to figure out something here. Um, I don't know that Angela Merkel is going to be so stubborn as to just say, "Nope, we're done. We wipe, you know, wash our hands of you," because it's not obviously just Germany's decision. I mean, uh, we'll find out more here in the next uh, day or two with with meetings that that uh, you know they have and. and See what the strategy may be, but yeah, I mean, again, no, no simple solution. I mean, I, I hope they're able to negotiate something and work something out. But again, is it like such a bad thing if Greece ultimately finds finds itself out of the eurozone? And in, in, in your opinion, ah, I don't actually think it would be all that bad for them. At least it would give them some some more certainty and and uh, possibly light at the end of the tunnel. Might be tough to get there, but they could get there eventually. The number one winner on the New York Stock Exchange today is Weight Watchers International. Stock up 18, 19% as of this moment on reports that a hedge fund, uh, which owns a bulk of the shares, is considering a takeover offer. I have not to this point seen a name attached to that. It's, it's sort of unnamed private investors at this point. Uh, I'm sure by the time people are listening to this, there will be a name out there. Uh, this seems like a good thing for Weight Watchers International because that is a stock that has just taken a repeated pounding over the last few years. Yeah, you go back to 2011, May of 2011, and these shares topped eighty-five dollars, and now they're you know they're bordering on they're the south of five dollars stock status. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's amazing the fall uh, from grace here. And, and you touched on it earlier, uh, the internet, which has just been the great disruptor of our time. Is is something that has truly disrupted this business because once, where this was sort of the go-to network for people who needed to lose weight or get healthy, now those you can find that anywhere. You go onto your phone. I mean, those apps are all over the place. I mean, you look at what Under Armour's done, for example, with their little suite of apps that they bought, where you know you can you can track your fitness, you can track what you eat, and everything like that. I mean, those are all over the place, and they're free. Uh, so Weight Watchers is really they they have been struggling to figure out how to deal with sort of this new age uh, of of you know connectivity and how they can be a part of it and I you know that's that's a company we're talking about a little bit here that's another good example of this but um, I think it looks like this would be Ardell Group which owns currently fifty one percent or so okay. of the shares outstanding. So I, you know, I mean, good old fashioned shareholder activism, right? I mean, this is this is one of those things that I mean, from from their perspective, maybe this looks good in the sense that they see some value there in where they can kind of you know take this thing out and sort of find the value in the pieces of it. But for any individual investors like us, I mean, when you look at the fundamentals of this business, Weight Watchers, and honestly, Chris, I think I might rather invest in Greek debt. <laughs> than to buy shares of Wave Watchers. Although, when you look at uh, Dell, and if we are to believe the reports, and I have no reason not to, that that Michael Dell is so much happier now that that company is private and mm-hmm. is seemingly doing better as a private company. It's not to say that they can't succeed no. as a private company, but I mean, the the fall has really been astonishing. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, it's it's you can certainly succeed as a private company, and and I think that. 
a lot of companies, in hindsight, probably wish they had that luxury back because there's so many people that you have to answer to as a public company. So it's you know it's it's a good thing in that you get open you know access to all of this capital, but by the same token, you have to really be accountable for it and and, and held accountable for your actions. And, and Weight Watchers, unfortunately, has been caught back kind of on its heels. So you know you look consequently, top line sales are are in a free fall. I mean, margins are getting killed. Their balance sheet is out of control. I mean. This this fund that came in and bought up all this debt. I mean, you know, we'll see exactly how much of that debt they actually bought up. But I mean, there, there's there's a coverage ratio there that tells us this could be a problem for Weight Watchers in the future of them being able to afford the debt that they have on that balance sheet. So they're they're gonna need to restructure that in some capacity. Um, so maybe going private is the best is the best idea for them because they can kind of you know reassess maybe get a leader in there that could figure out how to utilize this brand because there is I think a power in that brand it is very well known um, they just need to bring it up with the times I think late last week shares of the mobile payment company Zoom spiked twenty percent after PayPal offered just shy of nine hundred million dollars to buy Zoom outright. <sighs> As Jason Moser sheds a tear, this is one of yours. It is. This is one of your babies. It is. And congratulations on the twenty percent spike in your stock. Thanks. <laughs> you didn't want this at all, did you? Thanks, he says facetiously. You, 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 I mean, this was one of those. No. In was... the same way, David Gardner talks about owning Pixar and owning Marvel Entertainment, and just grimacing ever so slightly when they get bought by the Walt Disney Company. This was one of those. You didn't want this at all. No, and if this was, you know, they made this into a movie, I think the name of the movie would be called A Public Life Short-Lived. Uh, maybe too short-lived. But either way, that that's ultimately what it was. They went public in February 2013. Yeah, I've been following the company for about a year and a half. Um, it, it really was fascinating to learn more about global remittance and how that all works. And that was something I really dug into to try to understand exactly what made Zoom special. Um, and, and ultimately, what made them special, it was a couple of things. I mean, they had a management team on board that was very focused on customer service and making sure they. they First and foremost, it was all about the customer, uh, but then also the risk management model that they employed that allowed them to fund. Uh, their recipients, you know, the people who were receiving the money, it was they, they enabled them to to receive that money instantly. Whereas many times with remittance, you know, it has to go through certain channels, uh, the ACH, um, and it has to be verified, and, and those funds aren't free for you know a day, two days, three days to ensure that everything is on the up and up. Uh, Zoom did a very good job of of being able to make that available instantly, and at the same time maintaining very very low loss ratios. As a matter of fact, industry low loss ratios. So um, yeah, it was just a small cap company that I you know I I got it on my radar probably around fifteen dollars per share, and had been uh, talking a lot with some folks around here. Uh, Alex Shera was stock advisor, and and I had talked a lot about it recently, and. They they actually finally got into stock advisor, um, so it, it was a short life lived there. We got it into million dollar portfolio shortly thereafter. And obviously, short life lived there, but um, you know I, I think that this was I was talking about uh, another company we talk about that had been you know truly disrupted by the the internet and in Western Union is that company. I mean this was something where you could see plain as day Western Union was not only losing share to Zoom, but Zoom maintained superior margins. Because of the fact that it was, you know, they didn't maintain that physical network of stores where people would go into the store and transfer money. It was all done on your phone, and and I think uh, you know PayPal 
was very wise to spot this. PayPal did not have a product that could compete with Zoom. And furthermore, Zoom had such a head start that it was going to be very difficult for anyone to try to catch them because they had done such a good job of building a great name in the space. And uh, it's just a very big market out there that U.S. outbound remittance people here, workers, migrant workers, sending money back to their families overseas. Uh, you know, Zoom was introducing new products where you can pay bills uh, the same way that you send money. And so this is a great deal for Zoom in the sense that it's going to, they're going to stay as a subsidiary of, of PayPal. They're going to keep their brand. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. It's just now as, as a relationship with PayPal, ultimately it'll be PayPal, now it's eBay. Um, it's going to give them. I that's think, right, because that spinoff is coming. It is at some point. It in is the next it, few it'll, months. It'll give them more access to, to more capital. I think a broader opportunity as far as the consumer base goes, and and um, so it, it certainly makes PayPal a little bit more interesting to me now. Um, Let me go back to Western Union for a second, because that is a very old company. Yeah, and I. It's easy for me to wrap my head around Western Union being disrupted by mobile payment. PayPal is arguably the leader, or is one of the leaders, if not the leader, in mobile payment. So, what is Zoom? What was Zoom doing that PayPal, a mobile payment company, looked at and said, ah, "We we we can't build that. Yeah, we're were... going to have to buy that. We're going to have to take them out somehow. We don't want to compete with them. Let's make them a Godfather offer and buy them out." Yeah, there were a couple things. I mean, with PayPal, generally speaking, the money is transferred via PayPal, and you receive it in your PayPal account. Um, there are ways, I guess, with PayPal to transfer it to a bank account. Um, what Zoom did that was different, though, is they maintained uh, and developed really great relationships with all of the major banks within the countries they serve. They serve, I think, 33 countries today where, where you can send money from the U.S. to those countries. And so, what that enabled them to do in maintaining those relationships, they're focusing a lot on, on uh, individuals who aren't bank. They are, they're unbanked. They don't have a banking relationship. So, and oftentimes, you might send money to a family member overseas, and they don't have a bank account, but they could go directly to this bank and just pick up the cash. And that was something that PayPal couldn't match. Unless it's Greece. Unless in which it's case, Greece. And then, you know, we're not handing off. out cash because <laughs> we don't have any. No. You might as well just start dishing out. Islands at that point because this is the only currency you've got, um, but but I think it was it was just it was it was the relationships with banks and and the liquidity that Zoom was able to achieve that other concepts had not been able to achieve yet. It's not to say that PayPal couldn't have done it, um, but I think in this case PayPal had realized it'd be a lot easier to go ahead and buy it than try to build it. And you see Facebook kind of do the same thing uh, in a lot of cases. It's just easier to buy it rather than try to build it because a lot of times we see you know bigger companies try to build. These things, and you can have all the financial resources in the world to do it. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to succeed. And and so it's Google buying YouTube. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's Facebook buying Instagram. It's it's so all of these things. And you know, oddly, I mean, we we were kind of thinking that. I mean, we always knew that an acquisition was a potential here. Um, we were hoping, obviously, it would have been more, and it would have been later on. I think you know, if if they had had a chance to to exist for a longer period of time, it would have been obviously. Uh, a, a better deal for shareholders, but I think you know the the one question we've gotten from a lot of people is, do you think there will be a competing bid? And I think as time goes on here, as the days tick by, I think that that possibility becomes smaller and smaller because there is a bit of a connection there. And the co-founder of Zoom, uh, one of the co-founders of Zoom, is also a very early investor in PayPal, and and so there is a connection there. And I think um, you know this is this is a deal that gives Zoom really the the best of everything. Shareholders win. A win's a win. That's great. We wish we could have seen it grow, but do you 
get cash as a shareholder? Yeah, it's an all-cash deal. And so, uh, shareholders of Zoom today, and I am one, and a lot of our million-dollar portfolio members are too, so uh, you'll receive $25 per share once this uh, deal is finalized, which should be very soon, unless the slightest possibility of of another bid. Facebook, anybody out there? Guys, if you want to come and just make a competing (laughs) bid, I think that's fine. I would welcome it, no problem. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Eventually, shareholders will receive twenty five dollars per share in cash, and from there, we'll come up with some number. Uh, you know, come up with some more great ideas and places to put that money. So, next time we're out for drinks, you're buying. That's that's what I just heard. I think that's safe <laughs> to say. I think that's safe to say. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.